Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 221, episode 2 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, the production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it is Tuesday, January 25th, 2022, which of course means that it is National Florida Day. All right. Yep. They, they needed one. And National Opposite Day, which might mean that Flo- it's not actually National Florida Day. I right. Think. Yeah. Yeah. How do you uh, then apply that uh, across the other holidays? Like, it's like almost like a math equation, like a proof. Florida, like, you, if it, your people need to do some research and find a better day because on the opposite day, your day is absolutely like people are just going to shit on your state on, on yeah. National Florida Day. Fuck if Florida. It's, what? It's opposite day. <laughs> Come on, what? man. Yeah. Did you ever do opposite day? No. I don't no. think so. Do you, I think or, maybe my school like one time did something where like we wore our, our clothes, clothes backwards, backwards and inside out. Although I might be confusing that day. with just my crisscross uh, yeah. phase. But yeah, but I, I did. I, I remember the like it's it's opposite day or yeah right only on opposite day or uh, do you want to get punched? It's opposite right. day. See that that was no. the only way it came out. It was never like a day, though. It was just like a, it was just you pull up somebody's opposite day. You want to get yeah. punched in your gut? Yeah. And yeah, then, I did do that all the time. That was totally what I did. I did it twice. And then yeah. uh, if, if the person said yes, then I was like, fuck. You really <laughs> listened that time, you fucking clever person. Now I know to not run this one on you. Yeah, yeah. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Hey, Lays, you should have stayed away. You're another second-rate chip we don't miss. That is courtesy of Podge Moran, and it's supposed to be Nirvana's heart-shaped box, in case anyone wasn't following along or was just startled by me shouting halos at them. Kurt came back for that. Kurt back lives in my heart-shaped box to this day. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! <clears throat> he take my money! When I'm in need, yeah, he's just trifling with these NFTs. Popeye Jones is a gold digger <laughs> way over town. I'll drink my pee. Boom, 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 boom. He take my butt. Okay, shout out, to, shout out to Ben Swiller on the Discord. Yes, you were listening. Popeye Jones, the former basketball player, bought a bunch of NFTs. They're not worth nothing anymore. You bought his NFTs. He didn't yes, buy a bunch of NFTs. I love, I look, I'm always, I, I always like Popeye Jones. And when he was announcing, hey, I got NFTs coming out. Y'all should get in on the ground floor. I said, say less, Popeye. Bought them all. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm <laughs> inverted upside down on this investment. It's not even an investment. I just gave Popeye Jones all my money. <laughs> I mean, drinking pee, NFTs. And Popeye Jones, nailing everything that is uh, defining the zeitgeist right now. 100%. 100%. Well done to that person who wrote mm-hmm. that AK. I'm going to find you in Dresden, Tennessee. I know that's where you're from, bro. I'm going <laughs> to give Wait, me my what? money, Popeye. Oh, Popeye Jones. I thought you meant the AKA writer. I was no, like, no, Popeye Jones. Are to dox our AKA writers? No, now? Ronald Jerome Jones. Okay, Popeye, I'll always man. say his government name. Do not buy NFTs from this guy. Top 10 nicknames of all time. Just going with like Ronald Nalga. I'm Popeye. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, Miles, we are yeah. thrilled to be joined in our mm-hmm. third seat by one of our favorite guests, one of y'all's favorite guests here on TDZ, an extremely talented 
digital activist and podcast host. Yeah. She hosts the brilliant podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet, which, you know, won a shorty. Mm. I don't know. Heard of that. Uh, no big deal. Please welcome the brilliant, the talented Bridget Todd. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I love the the announcement you guys give for the guests. I feel like I'm coming into like a, regga- a reggaeton club. I love it. Yeah, mm. oh, we just we're missing air horns. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To fully <laughs> the dance hall queen, Bridget, Bridget Todd. Yes. Next time I come, I will expect air horns. I okay. will, and you're gonna have to ponder river though, even <laughs> yes. though we're on a Zoom call, just to make it official. Or or wine, we can need some do. wine in. Something. Definitely can do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, What's yeah. New? Oh, I just read though too. Popeye Jones' two sons—they're oh. amazing hockey players. So yeah. maybe I'm less mad. All right, you gotta you gotta pull up for the black hockey players. Yeah. Anyway. Bridget, what's new? What's going on? Not a lot. Also, speaking of black hockey pay- players, uh, P.K. Subban, I think mm-hmm. he's one. He went to my college, I think. Oh, really? Wow. Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. I, I might have. Where did you I, go to college? East Carolina University. East Carolina. Okay. Don't. That's... That might be incorrect, but I think I remember hearing that once. I don't. Can you tell <laughs> I don't follow sports? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love that for your, your alma mater. Love that for Subban. He he he's really good, right? Like last I checked, a couple of years ago, he's good at hockey. Is that still true, Miles? From what I understand, yeah. Couldn't tell you. I barely watch hockey. Hot these sports days. takes. <laughs> from what I from, really? from what I understand, he's good at hockey. I thought. Hey, you want me to commit the... to an answer here? <laughs> yeah, I thought you two were like big into all the sports. Maybe just not hockey. Maybe not like cold weather sports. I played hockey, so I it stands to reason that I would be fairly engaged. But I definitely once I stopped playing. My my attention drifted to other sports. You know, get ask me anything about soccer right now and the Lakers and maybe the Western Conference of the NBA. A little bit better. But yeah, hockey, I'm slipping. Mm. Just like I would be if I tried to play hockey. Uh, yeah. Because I can ice skate. Really? Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. I went to a skating party, like a roller skating party in sixth grade. <laughs> And did not know how to roller skate and fell so frequently uh, on the same part of my arm that I had like a like B cup sized like thing on my arm for an entire year. Just like a welt. Oh, my God. That was like really a big old lump on your arm. Yeah. But like it did not go away. It was wild. Oh I just picture you falling on the same thing. Jack, you OK? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You keep falling on that arm. I'm doing bits. Way. It's bits. I actually know how to roller skate. I'm just... All right, guys. Who can go backwards? Huh? <laughs> Bridget, how is uh, how's Washington, D.C.? What's what's good? D.C. is good. I was we were talking earlier about how there's a fugitive loose in my neighborhood. But other than mm. that, D.C. is the same. Yesterday we had or I guess. Yeah. Sunday, we had our big anti-vax rally in D.C. and subsequently. Yeah. Thousands of anti-vaxxers swarmed on our city and then, like, got thrown out of restaurants so they don't have vaccination cards. Um, yeah, an interesting time to be in D.C. Yeah, mm. RFK completely uh, reinterpreted the Holocaust. That's right. That's right. Y'all, yeah. it will never cease to amaze me that he is married to Cheryl Hines. Like, I can't, I I, like, I can't make my brain understand it. I know we we talked about that on a trending episode because there was like this thing where he was defending the like idea that Cheryl was having a party where they were asking people to test and stuff. It was like, God, I don't know. That's not me. You know, that's not my brand. <laughs> right. But then, yeah, we were like, questions need to be asked. Cheryl, yeah. like, what does Larry Davis say? We need a deep dive into into that relationship. It's truly confounding. 
Yeah, I mean, they were they were like, please be vaccinated or get tested yes. at a party that he was hosting. He was like, yeah, I guess. Well, no, he true. wasn't. He's like, my wife was hosting that party. Right. But like he was. That was his cover. Okay. But if your okay. wife is hosting a party right. and y'all are like, you're hosting it together if y'all are married. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, I guess that's just more <laughs> proof that I don't have any say in the house. Yeah. Like, All right, man. I told you, man, they're running wild. They're running wild. <laughs> Can I do RFK out? Like, <laughs> what is this? But yeah, I don't, I'm curious to like, especially Larry David, I'm, I, does he must talk, talk wild shit behind her back? Or is Larry David like, he's like, no, you know, RFK Jr.'s a pretty cool guy. Pretty, right. pretty, pretty cool. They're like, the mainstream media doesn't want you to know the truth about vaccines, so I can't say it. But <laughs> yeah. Yikes. <laughs> uh, shit. All right. Well, Bridget, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. We're going to talk about NFTs and crypto. Uh, they are apparently collapsing. I think there was $130 billion wiped out of the crypto market in the past 24 hours. I have usually, to this point, just completely tuned out any story that had to do with crypto or NFTs. But I watched that like <laughs> that feature film length explainer on crypto. The line goes up. Yeah, from the line goes up. Or I watched most of it. And I won't say I watched the whole thing. So I feel a little more confident in saying that it's all a scam and bullshit. So we'll we'll talk about some of the interesting points that are made in that explainer. And we're going to talk about Newt Gingrich because he is threatening jail time. He's uh -oh. saying. And not and not two people who are involved in January 6th, but rather <laughs> the real criminals of January 6th, the January 6th committee. That's right. Yeah. If Republicans win, they're going to jail. All of that. Plenty more. But first, Bridget, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Oh, I'm so excited for this question. Something from my search history. So I have two. One is The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. If anyone is following that drama. With first, it was Mary possibly running a cult. Then it was Jen possibly being a scanner. And now it is Jenny in her history of anti-Black statements, which, frankly, I'm, like, not surprised with Bravo's history. Um, so mm -hmm. definitely doing a lot of deep dives into that. And then another... Wait, which one is Jenny? Jenny is the newest one. Her husband asked her for a sister wife. Like, that was her big, her big plot line. Oh, that, like her husband okay. was like, oh, I want to have another baby. But I just uh, saw the first episode I haven't seen. But yeah, she's uh, she's Asian, right? That's right. OK. Wow. Come on. See, that's what I fucking hate about reality shows is like you start watching because I watch a lot of reality. And whenever I'm watching something, I always be like, just wait for this person's racist shit to come <laughs> out because these producers don't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. Well, hmm. so what's so I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but it's race and racism comes up on the show with Jenny in terms of one of the other cast members being like, frankly, pretty like racist toward her. And she calls it out. And I was like, wow, good for her. She's really yeah. like articulating why racism is bad. And then to have this stuff all come out of like her terrible history of nonsense Facebook posts, it's pretty disappointing. But I guess Bravo mm. these days is like just exploding and imploding in terms of like to that putting racist people on TV. Yeah, to that they say Bravo uh, <laughs> to you. Thank you so much. And then the second thing from my search history, Jack, I feel like I, I wanted to talk to you about this because I have a lot of friends who are parents and all my friends who are parents are just like, they've, they're, they've lost it. They're like, they, they just are at their wits end. And so I sent a bunch of my friends who have kids bottles of whiskey <laughs> because they have just like, they need, they need to pick me up. They need something. 
the parents are not okay. The parents are having a hard time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, just in general. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, it's hard being, being around your kids all the time. Uh, my kid's school has been open for the past like month when it was not open. It was very difficult. Yeah. I think that's probably a nice thing to do for the parents to just like kind of encourage day drinking. Is that, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the second time around, kindergarten, preschool, whatever, it, it's both boring, but also like you get your feelings hurt by if the teacher like doesn't call on your kid or whatever. It's just like so stupid. Like all the all the dumb, toxic things that come along with parenting are just highlighted. And then the math is really hard. You know, my son's in kindergarten. I find that math very difficult. So, yeah, yeah. I don't drink, so I have turned to meditation. Oh, it's probably healthier. Three yeah. to four hours a day, just meditating <laughs> in my room by myself. Just noise-canceling headphones. I'm like, yeah. Jack, I think you're just taking naps. <laughs> <laughs> really great. Really, really centering myself. Yeah, yeah. but shout-out to all the parents out there, and yeah. especially shout-out to the teachers. Please don't. Parents, don't take it out on yeah. the teachers. Oh, yes. I yeah. I mean, imagine yeah. being like, like a double a double combo of like being a parent and then also a teacher. I have a friend oh. who is that who that is her life, and she says, "Yeah, sometimes I just go in the backyard and scream." Right, for real. Yeah, and don't <laughs> don't be a snitch or look at your neighbor weird if they're just in their backyard screaming at the yeah. top of their lungs, especially if they have kids. You know, and if especially if you're just screaming, you're like. This is just for catharsis. <laughs> and then people are like, oh, okay. I don't need to, there, it's no need to interpret that. Very clear what the screams are about. I am not in danger. <laughs> <laughs> Make your cathartic screams very clear that you're not in danger. And it's purely a catharsis scream. I feel like a good goddamn it is also pretty clear that you're the one who's <laughs> angry. <laughs> you know? But yes, do it outside the yeah. earshot of your children. Do it, do it in the backyard. What is something that you think is overrated? Something I think is overrated is the metaverse. I saw this video of oh, a on. rave taking place in the metaverse, and the person who tweeted it was like, "Oh, doesn't this look like fun?" And I just thought to myself, "No, it really doesn't." And like, why would I want to sit <laughs> in my house wearing an Oculus to attend this? No, I'm not interested. I mean, we are investing everything. Every ad dollar this show earns into putting it purely on the metaverse, uh, building out a metaverse experience. We believe in the metaverse here. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, it looks like shit. It It looks like absolute shit. It it does. It's. I saw somebody. I, I need to find this tweet, but it's basically applying that that theory that like whenever somebody's at their peak fame that's when they stop evolving as a human like with regards to everything from fashion to like their acting to their like ability to use technology and someone was like i think that happened to mark zuckerberg because <laughs> like once he became a internationally famous like ceo like that that was around the time that this sort of thing would have been considered cool. It was like, you know, Sims right. and Second Life and like that. And VR was still like kind of the wave of the future type thing. Yeah, it just seems very like retrograde. He's got that 06 
technology <laughs> swag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, dude, what? Like, I feel man. like, yeah, I feel like that it, it's such a throwback to like, yeah, The Sims. Like, I feel like we've been here before. And also, I just feel like any kind of technology that means that people are going to have to wear something bulky on their face, like an Oculus, to, to experience it, really, I just don't see becoming like very commonplace. I'm sure people are, are like, I know people who are having great experiences with their VR headsets, and I love that for them, but I just don't see it being like a commonplace everyday household thing. Like, people mm-hmm. just don't want to wear a bulky thing on their head. Yeah. Or just, or like what it offers, right? And I've, I've consistently said, until it's something that is really blurring the lines of our like reality and like what our perceptive reality. I don't know, like, that's that's the kind of push where you, you'd be like, oh, shit, man. Like, you put this thing on, and you really might think you're on top of a fucking mountain. Like, maybe that happens, and then we go down a slippery slope of people just, like, in their houses not doing anything because they just have a headset on. But for me, I think I just see limited use. Like, again, I'd love to watch, like, an immersive music video with a headset. That might be cool. Or, you know, play a certain game or anything. But I don't know, like, long, hours-long wearing is just... I don't know. For me, I just want to. I just want to go to the Matrix. If if I'm being honest, yeah. I I feel like the it's good for like the people have created like some cool video games to play with them. Mm-hmm. Like, and I've heard of people doing like hangouts with friends that they like can't otherwise see. You know, like hang being in the same room with people that are like across the country. Like during the pandemic, might be a cool thing to do. But like. Everything about the Facebook, like Facebook, you don't need the Facebook's metaverse to do any of that shit. Like people already have it. And like, in fact, connecting it to a massive corporation that is trying to like up, like sort of manipulate your behavior and like uh, monetize you is like the exact opposite of what would be cool about right. the metaverse. Completely right. agree. So I watch NBA basketball and like sometimes I'll be watching a like, you know, Philadelphia broadcast. I think it was I forget who it was. I think it was a Philadelphia broadcast and there was like a ad for like broadband Internet and they had like the family doing VR. They were like, now we can do VR together. (laughs) And then like the dad like puts on the VR headset and then like the whole family, everybody has VR headsets on and they're all just like wandering around with their hands in front of them. Like they're blindfolded. So it's just like it's entered the it's entered the zeitgeist, but like the the majority of people don't really know what it is or like how people use it. So yeah. But yeah, I think most of the videos people see are people falling over or like like plowing through drywall because they're so like disoriented <laughs> by having a VR set. So I get why they're like, and VR and the depiction of that is like disoriented people in a room. It's never like VR. And it's like kids being like, thanks, dad. I just got a new, uh, I got my third degree in particle physics. Like, right. It's not, that's not what it's offering you. Yeah. But anyway, you know, look out for the TDZ meta app or whatever the fuck <laughs> it's going to be called. Our metaverse. Dude, yeah, you buy into ours. We just berate you for buying into it. Like, <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you? All Look you need. your fucking money back. All you need is the TDZ NFT, the NFTDZ, uh, to enter the chat with us. And it seems like you're in a room with Miles and I. Yeah. Folks, we're gonna have a really we're gonna have a really great offer for you guys coming out of the second mid roll. Uh, Stay locked for that because Zeitcoin is launching. (laughs) Yeah, what is something you think is underrated? Something I think is underrated is 
you know, the sort of like 2008 emo scene-ster style. Uh, ever since they came out with that music festival what, when we were young, people mm. have been talking about like, oh, what were you, you know, what were you wearing in 2008? What were you wearing in 2009? And I went back and looked at myself. I was definitely like an alt, an alt type in 2008. And I actually don't think those fashions were half bad. You know, people were mm. people were rocking the like hair swoop, like the like the bang swoop over the one eye. Right. Um, a lot of piercings. You know, I don't think those fashions were were half bad. I would wear some of that today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I saw some like an adult, like I saw the other day, I did see an emo adult guy, and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like I was just like, yeah, all right, man. I remember that shit, and I'm glad you fucking you ride for that so hard. I'm like. I'm hope I'm I'm hoping that's a good person, but yeah, whatever. I mean, it doesn't seem I like that. I mean, to to pull off some of the like intricate hair dye mm-hmm. things I remember from then, I'll take my hat off to that. Yeah, I it's mean, like we were just having so much fun back in 2008. It was a fun time to be a young person, right? And some of that's been like influential, right? Like, there's still a lot of like, you know, I don't know, some of those styles you see among kids like to this day. I feel like it's not. It's not like a thing that just went embarrassingly out of fashion like a lot of big swings do from uh, teenagers. Yeah, well, I mean, I I know a lot of people who are probably very happy for their hair uh, for the amount of, like, (laughs) shit that they were doing to achieve these looks, especially if you had any amount of texture to it. I am saying this because then the listeners can't see this, but I am trying out the swoop over the one eye. (laughs) Yeah. And, it's, and you keep blinking because you're like, it's, you keep saying it's, it's getting very in your eye. You're like, it's ah. very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I, I've taken to just closing one of the one of the eyes, but I don't know how they pulled it off. Yeah, your lip rings are healing, though, pretty well. Yeah, I mean, not yeah. bad. They're still, you know, kind of connecting in one big infection in the middle. But yeah, well, for the most part, like they're it, it seems like we're making progress in the right direction. And your gauges you, are nice. Your ear holes from your gauges are nice yeah. and stretched out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I, I it's not so much the look with the gauges in as much as like I like the just loose dangly thing <laughs> at when they're the out, skin. you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah just yeah. like getting those Floppy lobes. Yeah, just being able to like kind of. I've always, ever since I heard that children's song, Do Your Ears Hang Low? Do They Wobble To and Fro? I've been like, <laughs> please teach me. Teach That's me. That's been how. your one goal since you yeah. were a child. And then when I saw gauges, I'm like, here we go. <laughs> Time in a knot? Time in a bow? Yes, yeah. please. Yeah. Can you throw them over your shoulder like a continental soldier? <laughs> Wait a second. What? <laughs> what? Well, oh, we got I, that I feel like that's got to be. I feel like that's got to be bad. <laughs> Can you throw them over your shoulder as you extract natural resources? <laughs> Do your ears <laughs> hang low? Wait, what was that last verse? What was that last part? All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And all right, let's talk. Let's talk NFTs and crypto. This is a thing that I have felt wildly unqualified to talk about uh, to this point and feel just regular unqualified to talk about at this point after I watched that two hour explainer online goes up mm-hmm. that, you know, just kind of dug into the details of how the NFT market and the crypto market work. And it's pretty meticulous to the point that I I understood every other word, maybe, at best. 
it's also over two hours. But basically, his thesis, his analysis is that crypto like really isn't shit and has never really been like shit. What what they (laughs) promised it would be. Yeah. Like the stuff that I think has prevented me and a lot of people from doing a deep dive is, you know, that it's technological and financially intricate and complex. And those are two things that a lot of people aren't well versed in. Mm -hmm. But apparently like his theories, that's like part of a feature of the system, not a bug. Like it's meant to be to dissuade people from criticizing it or like trying to understand it who aren't part of the market in the same way that a cult like has a buy-in where, uh, you know, you spend the time to learn the secret language. And then after a certain point, you're like kind of pot committed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the the big picture issue is that that is still the same issue I've had with it instead of spending our like human capital and like lives and energy and love, like trying to form communities that actually help other people and solve each other's problems. We're basically spending it on creating new, complicated, time swallowing systems and communities that are basically just copies of the ones that we currently have just with like different problems but Mm -hmm. similar dynamics where the people who are rich are able to exploit the people who are less rich and yeah it's just very predatory and people are losing a lot of money on it it seems like yeah and i think it's also you know like i got through about the first hour or so of it and just generally like the thing that i like i always sort of inherently kind of half understood from what I read and what I've heard anecdotally from people I know who are like kind of heavy into it is that, you know, there is this huge thing of like normalizing the idea of investing in crypto and NFTs to to keep the pool of investors large enough that for your theoretical amount of money that you have, you can actually pull that out. But the only way you do that is by ensuring that there's a constant introduction of new people putting money into the market. And when you look at sort of those things, like just how like, you know, the Staples Center became Crypto.com Arena and just like we're seeing it all over from commercials that have like really high paid celebrities and things like that, that there is a push. And I always see it from people with a lot of money who are the ones being like, man, you got to get into crypto. Right. As if that that's an explanation for their existing wealth rather than like people already having the means and then saying like, oh, here's a new way I can get in because I have enough capital to truly profit from it rather than someone who says maybe, oh, let me start with like $500 and see where that goes. All the arguments I've heard for it, like that it's distributed and not like centrally like controlled, which he dispels. But like just from a broad perspective, even without like watching all the technical ways that like the whole thing is kind of a, a lie. Any any claim that like NFTs and crypto and that whole world have to being a underground sort of more like ground level system probably go out the window the second that Matt Damon is doing a Super Bowl ad for the product. <laughs> and I know this is uh, unpopular with a lot of people. Like I understand that people are getting rich, but they're getting rich the same way that people have gotten rich in the current system this is supposed to replace, which is just that people who buy in early 
and then are able to manipulate the market in a way that like more people buy in. Like it's it's just people using influence to drive up the market and oh. victimize people. That's absolutely it. I mean, I, I watched the whole thing over the weekend and I found it, the, the whole uh, documentary, I found it fascinating. And all the things that you have just said, I completely agree with. I think, you know, I, I'm reminded quite a bit of, if you've read the book or seen the film, The Big Short, uh, mm-hmm. about how a lot of this stuff is purposely opaque to give you the sense that like, oh, it must be legit or it must be too complicated for little old me to understand. And they they actually build in all of these complex words and sort of, you know, like big ideas and acronyms and such to give you the impression that it's like very, very smart people doing very smart things and don't ask too many questions about it. Right. But one of the things that I was really struck by in the two hour um, YouTube explainer that you were just talking about is the way that they use this very culty behavior. Like they really yeah. capitalize on the cultiness of human behavior to keep people in. And so it kind of becomes this kind of toxic positivity thing where, you know, people wake up and they say GM to each other, good morning to each other. And even that small thing is to signal to other people like, I'm invested in this. We're, we're going to take this thing to the moon. You know, if, mm-hmm. if, you know, all of these people really just being hyper invested in the fact that they're going to make it. And it really reminded me, if you've ever known anybody who is involved in, a, in an MLM, it is the exact same it thing. Like, life, like, I could not right. believe it. It's like, it's basically like yeah, like they took the same kind of business model of like making people feel bad for questioning whether or not this is working for them. Anybody in your life who who has the audacity to, to suggest that like this might not actually be a sound investment, you need to cut them out of, out of your life. You need to be committed to this. It is the exact same thing. It's really kind of scary. Yeah. You got to have those diamond hands. You know right. what I mean? You got to hold on for dear life. Not paper like hands. Those, yeah. And that's like the language, right? Holding on for dear life. Like it's. It's all inbuilt, I think, to to sort of maintain that sort of kind of behavior. And I think what's really slick about it, though, is like to your point, Jack, like there is a way to look at it and say, you're not really getting like this isn't some like moral way, like some moral investment you're getting involved in, especially when you look at the things like the energy consumption that are involved with it. But what it does is it allows for people to not really engage with that dimension of what it means to be invested in crypto. Because I know many people who like very early on were just interested. They're like, oh, this could be interesting and began investing and have made money. But they'll never look at it for like they're like, yeah, there's bad stuff, but they have to compartmentalize a lot because I think it is also it is jarring for someone to think like if you just gave them the like definition, like actually, this is all just a MLM and you're doing this in service of people who are much wealthier than you. Those are people who stand to make even more money than you. And, you know, your participation in this helps the jig along. I don't yeah, know. The degree to which Peter Thiel is like behind all of this is <laughs> right. pretty fucking shocking. And like, you know, a worst case scenario that like you'd be like, yeah, but it can't be like that bad. But yeah, Peter Thiel. No, is- Mr. Blood Drinker. I mean, <laughs> yeah. allegedly. It reminds me of like seeing Q like rise up in politics. Like people are funneling an understandable frustration with the economic and political realities in our country into like a sort of a different system that is a replication of the same system. Right. This is, you know, when we talk about the lack of imagination that we have for imagining like other systems, I think it's understandable because we have like our schooling and everything has just taught us that like 
America's the best. This is the only way to run a actual world. And like as we're seeing problems crop up, the only thing we know to do with our frustrations is to just like be like, well, what if we did an un- another America that was like miniature and like had memes or, you know, right. wh- whatever it the is. The memes are the money. Mm-hmm. But it's like we've just been so thoroughly like reprogrammed by capitalism to a very like cellular level in our both like mind and spirit that like this is the only thing we're capable of like producing is just more more capitalism more like you know right sort of predatory systems to prey on one another and then you get to see like the other people get rich and then you chase that even though you're almost by definition too late and yeah it's just like cap like when you view capitalism as a as its own like actor within human history it's like yeah capitalism already has like figured out the singularity capitalism is is destroying us all and like is like 15 steps ahead and i don't i don't know the answer other than like to learn about and tell people and teach each other about like other systems that have worked better than this one yeah well because I, I think culturally though the like the sort of mainstream idea of what it means to invest is always like go from nothing to millionaire and right. make as much money as you can make make your investment fucking 5x 8x 10x 20x that shit and the idea is always like what's the most i can get as quickly as possible or just what's the most i can get and that I think that sort of basic motivation will always just because of our human nature, it's all, the, all roads are always going to lead to this point. And yeah, I think because of the, you know, there's not a coin. It's like, uh, hey, man, with every I don't even know what you do, like every fucking coin we sell, you were that much closer to reversing Citizens United or some shit. Right. I don't know, like what what the answer is there. But yeah, like because of the massive inequality it's these kinds of things are only even more incentivized for people. So it's, it's always going to be a win-win game when you, you have a a huge chunk of the population that is in a state of lack and there's nothing better to then be like, you know who, because it's the same thing, even with like cults or, you know, like Tony Robbins type shit where it's like, let me find the people at their lowest because that's who's going to, I can convert those people really easily. And not to say that every person investing is at their lowest, but the sort of disparities that we have in like especially income inequality or income equality you know keeps this keeps this thing very viable yeah i mean the profile of the average like nft owner and crypto owner is like very much middle class people who probably like don't have the disposable income like to have a hundred and what is it? A hundred and thirty billion dollars wiped out of the crypto market. Like it's it's truly fucked up. And but like his thesis is at least partially that part of the reason that everybody's so like defensive and like fuck you, you just like don't understand, or you're just like part of the system that like doesn't want me to get rich is because there's like an insecurity because you know they're part of a group that has been excluded from you know, the big like financial institutions and shit. So right. they are just kind of creating the same sort of self-defense and like self-defending sort of attack culture that they were victimized by. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that also speaks to a problem that we have in media. The, the, I think the film made a really good point about the fact that like, uh, like I think it was November or December when everybody was talking about NFTs, it was like the hot thing. And a big part of that was driven by a media landscape that I think doesn't fully, un- didn't fully understand it and was not, n- not nearly skeptical enough of a lot of these claims that were being made. But they talk about how like, you know, crypto folks and NFT folks were able to generate all this good press just in a press release. And then whether or not the things that that were laid out in that release actually came to fruition, well, no media, you know, person ever followed up with that and how they were really able to control the conversation around it and control, you know, or generate the, the one thing they were able to really generate was sort of buzz and attention. And that like, at a certain point, that's kind of very, very lucrative in its own right. Um, and so I think that, you know, I hope that going forward, we will be able to have more substantive conversations about crypto and, you know, decentralization, but conversations that are not ev- not led by media folks who don't really know what they're talking about or right. people who are incentivized to really sell you on it, who are like completely right. positive and like have nothing critical or skeptical to say about it. Right. Yeah. When that, especially that one part when he was like, you might have seen articles talking about how Venezuela is on the brink of going to all crypto or so other countries in Central or Latin America are about to go fully on crypto. Like that was coming out of like two investment guys in San Bernardino, mm-hmm. like who were seeding those stories. And you're like, holy shit. It, and like and then again, you see because I always notice the kinds of people who I'll get really evangelical about it. And I've you know, I, I've, Jack's been there. We've had interactions with people who have lots of money and the way they talk about crypto it does almost seem like they're like yeah man i need people to get in here man so i can keep making more money like we got to yeah, make yeah. this thing as normal as possible and and again who can blame anybody who decides to invest because on a certain level you're like i saw this money in and this money come out and on that very basic level it draws people in but without knowing all of the dimensions of it, it i think it can can make for a terrible outcomes for some people like, I can only imagine if there are people who lost tons of money with the crash over the weekend, like what their portfolios look like or what they, you know, if, if they're not yeah. diversified or whatever. That's why this investment shit is so much. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. Like, you could look at the fact that crypto lost that much, the crypto market lost that much money and be like, ah, so finally, this is like a self-correcting thing with the market. I would guess it's actually a thing where the people who are, you know, middle class and don't have the ability to, like, you know, stake themselves and, like, uh, ride one of something like this out are victimized. And then, like, this is a chance for the really wealthy to consolidate wealth and then, like, continue to build this market out because it does feel like the NFT market has gone so mainstream that it's going to be a thing that the powers that be will not allow to fail at this Ugh. point. So we're yeah. going to have to look at those ugly chimp paintings forever. Like that's just going to be what we, what we, what we, or I, those like um, glitch, those like glitch Twitter profiles. We're going to have to keep, keep those around. Great. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be like, uh, get more and more official where it's going to be like, now your like social security card is NFT. Like that, that's at least what he seems to be predicting is like, they're trying to infiltrate like unions and, all, all sorts of shit like the things like this where there's a big sell-off and then like rich people now have a bunch of value in the crypto market like 
you know, now they're incentivized to like build this out and make it legit. And like you're already seeing the like that the attempt to make it legit, as you talked about, Bridget, is like, you know, the all the mainstream media coverage of this like is treating it like, yeah, no, this is all good and legit and it's going to just end up being a another way for the people who have insane amounts of money to uh you know <laughs> keep making money. Yeah. Keep building mm. that. Anyway, but uh, and all that, you know, and I think that is a good discussion to have. I do want to say that that's not going to affect the launch of Jack and I's new cryptocurrency site. No. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, there's one thing. So all of that is about that kind of yeah, NFT. That kind of and then yeah. here we are offering you an amazing ground floor opportunity, opportunity to have yeah. diamond hands with <laughs> our, <laughs> our what, what is it? Zeitcoin? Zeitcoin. Yeah. yeah. And basically, it's really easy, right? Like uh, to enter this exchange, you're going to need to have at least 1400 Zeitcoin in your wallet right. to be a part of it. So that is an initial investment of $1,400 or a dollar a coin right now. Uh, and I know that's kind of a high price, but I'm just telling you, man, if this thing goes to $2, that's that's twenty eight miles and higher. So, rich. so think about and it. You guys, too, advisors. right? Probably. I, I was saying you and I will be so rich. I mean, they, them, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Jokes aside, plus though, Bank of America, who is staking a lot of this. For oh, us yeah, yeah, yeah. Is backing Shout us them, in, this, uh, in this new adventure that we're really excited about. But do you remember that one section in the documentary about how, like, at a certain point, you would start seeing, like, Bitcoin accepted here stickers mm -hmm. being slapped up? Because for them, the people who were doing that, it was purely about the optics of creating a reality for people. Where they go, oh, shit, man, the bodega's going to take crypto? Like, this right. place takes Bitcoin? Or this place has a crypto ATM outside of it? Remember there was a crypto ATM on, uh, like, right by the old office in Hollywood? And we're like, yeah. yo, what the fuck? Nobody's using Wave this. Wave the future, man. Yeah. But they were also, like, when they were putting those stickers up, they were doing it knowing that nobody would actually use it. And right. they were just stickers. They weren't like, they were like, hey, could I put the sticker on your cash register? Like, it, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> just yeah. Okay. I'll give you yeah. 10 bucks. Yeah. I mean, not to take it back to MLMs, but if anyone's seen that document, that docuseries, uh, Lula Rich, about the Lula Road uh, pyramid scheme, that's exactly the same thing they would do. They would make it appear like everyone is wearing these leggings and anybody who is involved in selling these leggings, like they have beautiful homes and take wonderful trips because of it. You know, whether or not that like like that wasn't actually true, but just the appearance of that was what what actually created the currency. And I, I think like right. ever since watching that documentary, I just can't see I cannot stop seeing like the parallels between any other like MLM scheme, the kind of thing that you think like, wow, how did educated people get duped into this and right. seeing the way that we're tr that they're trying to normalize what seems so obviously to be to, for at least for a lot of folks a scam you know the way that they're trying to like make it not a scam right right right, right. yeah mm. all right well we're you know i can't wait to hear from the people who are who have diamond hands in our uh, mentions i will just ask that you know we will put this explainer two and a half hour long so but we will put it in the footnotes of this episode. Uh, please watch that before you tell us that we're full of shit. <laughs> please. Hey, Q, Q followers, please watch Q into the storm before <laughs> responding. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like, look, but I mean, I feel like in this case, there are like some well-meaning people who just believe you know, the central myth of this thing. I know people who have made a lot of money. I have a friend who made a ton of money 
right off crypto and he's not like wealthy by any stretch of the imagination but he took a really big swing and it paid off for him and you know that that's only gotten him interested in all the other sort of like machinations of this this new uh industry but you know i'm I'm curious to see i almost got to check in i'm like yo what happened what how's your how's your shit looking since the weekend right yeah, I mean, it's like, also like it's absurdly easy to steal and all sorts of security issues. And yeah, my main thing is like, it's it's whatever Zeitcoin, Zeitcoin all day <laughs> is a testament <laughs> to like where we're at that rather than, you know, uh, we're faced with global problems that need to be fixed. And rather than like uh, putting wealth towards that, this is, we've chosen to like just create a casino essentially that like yeah. plays by the rules and, of hey look if you like gambling then hop on in man no shade to you but you know don't that's don't what think, it is don't think it's yeah. doing the thing that they're saying it it it, it is or that right. it's fully the future of like decentralization of like a financial system because <laughs> look at the boards yeah yeah it does seem like the that that was the thing that i was still like but that seems cool uh when, when we talked about it in the past and you know, according to this explainer, it does seem like that the system is like inherently flawed so that the second it gets big enough to do anything of value, it becomes too easy to, you know, manipulate and steal. And the code is just really buggy and fucked. So anyways, anyways uh, good luck out there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for an exciting announcement. We will be right back with more. And we're back. And so the January 6th committee seems to be picking up a little steam, mm-hmm. you know, unclear what that exactly means. But they are sending some very strongly worded letters yeah. asking people to stop by for a chat. The, there was big news at the end of last week that Ivanka was being asked to stop by. Trump was like, they're going after our children, our old adult children. Right. This is do they know no boundaries? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I don't, again, yeah, it's true. I don't know what this, the, the momentum means outside of letters. I'm hoping it means something, but it's clear that every time they have these letters, they are dropping little nuggets. They're like, so we know what you were texting that day. And this is what it was. Do you right. care to come talk about it? And the, like the information that comes out, there's always something new. You're like, oh, wow, most of the Fox News people were had a hand in either like trying to consult on the buildup or the aftermath or what to do to try and be like, OK, m- maybe we can distract them with like separate talk. But it looks like, you know, even though they're all in on acting like nothing happened, the way that a lot of Republicans are speaking in the last few weeks, it sounds like they're somewhat aware that there is a lot of tangible evidence that something terrible happened and they knew about it and participated in it. And they don't like that part. So now we have this old ass racist scarecrow, Newt Gingrich, talking from the field, being like, let me tell you what you need to be afraid of. And it's it, and we need to be afraid of the Republicans coming to power because of People will go to jail. I don't know. Here, just listen for yourself. Uh, you're going to have a Republican majority in the House and a Republican majority in the Senate. And all these people who've been so tough and so mean and so nasty are going to be delivered subpoenas for every document, every conversation, every tweet, every email, uh, because I think it's clear that this, these are people who are literally just running over the law. 
pursuing innocent people, causing them to spend thousands and thousands of dollars in legal fees for no justification. And it's basically a lynch mob. And unfortunately, the attorney general of the United States has joined that lynch mob and is totally misusing the FBI. And I think when you have a Republican Congress, this is all going to come crashing down and the wolves are going to find out that they're now sheep. And they're the ones who are, in fact, going to, I think, face a real risk of jail uh, for the kind of laws they're breaking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Thank a you for that. That was a lot. <laughs> A lot to unpack. Uh, true to form, the racist scarecrow did his did his best to remind us who he is. But just more broadly, I mean, at the very end, right, that the all these laws they're breaking, sir, which mm-hmm. which laws are those? Like, I don't because, again, this, he's sort of just sort of doing this tit for tat. He's like, all right, well, then we're going to get it. We're going to subpoena every thing from them, every tweet, every email. But these people aren't weren't necessarily architects of a, an attempted coup. So sure, you can get their boring emails, but the, the thrust of the investigation is actually there's 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 a direction. Whereas this, it's just like, we'll we'll make we'll make you guys look bad too. No, 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 no. I I was actually with him up until saying that they are gonna see jail time because the Republicans are going to win back the House, probably in the next midterm, like almost definitely. They are going to react to that power by then fuel making this like Benghazi times 10 and like trying to fuel a massive like investigation into anything having to do with January 6th commission. And then like, you know, just to put up a smoke screen so that like that becomes the focus and then it'll be. The, the actual events of January 6th are going to be like five levels deep beneath mm. like just layers and layers of bullshit. And they will have achieved their end there. The the idea that like they're going to then go to jail for doing their job is obviously ridiculous. And I think he knows it's ridiculous. But this is a threat that I think they'll probably make good on is like making, you know, using their power once they're back in power to just be insufferable authoritarian pieces of shit. Yeah, I mean, I think we're already sort of seeing that writing on the wall. I think that the actual events of January 6th, as you said, have become so buried in in like a seven-layer dip of disinformation, (laughs) racism, like complete bullshit, uh, complete I I just did a podcast where I couldn't swear and I was I have like don't swear in my head Um, podcast probably wasn't backed by Zeitcoin. It's true. (laughs) It's true. It should be if they're smart, if they get in early, if they're smart. That's right. We're unstoppable, baby. Anyway, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're already seeing it being wrapped in so many layers of bullshit that people and I think that's on purpose. I think they want people to hear January 6th and be like, oh, I'm so sick of talking about that. Oh, I don't even remember what happened. And I think. I'm sad to say, I think that that the writing is on the wall, that that is an effective strategy and they are pursuing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's always been an effective strategy, no matter how you look at it. It's just about, hey, look over there. What about that? They like they had people in the street, too, for another reason. But we won't dive into the the why of that. Just that there were people in the street on the left at one point, And that's not being looked at. Also, I mean, what's going on with critical race theory? Like, yeah, it just does. It spins your head and you'll never you'll never arrive at hearing a conversation among conservatives. It's like, what really happened and how do we explain what happened versus nope. Here your here are your marching orders, folks. Just complete. You're going to talk about other things because I see this a lot in like videos I see on the Internet of like people ranting about the election. 
they only they only talk in these Fox News talking points. Mm. And then like when they get it, they when they try and really like drill down on what they're saying, it starts falling apart where it's like, no, man, because this is part of the tyranny, man, that we're seeing. And then, you know, because you already see it, man, with, with what they're doing in the schools, man, and, and then the kids that, you know, that, that that's child abuse. And, and you're like, oh, OK, wow. Like they really found a way to get you outraged without knowing what you're outraged about. And yeah, it's and it's always, I think, been an effective strategy. And, and I think what's clear is that they definitely don't like that, that this committee is clearly gathering a lot of really clear cut evidence of what happened and who was involved and who was saying what when. And it seems like, too, this is also part of Newt Gingrich having to be like, yo, like, I'm not scared, but I'm gonna make threats. That's for sure. <laughs> but I'm not scared. That's the thing. I'm not scared. And now you have Matt Gates coming into the fold, too, because he's someone who's on the brink of vanishing behind bars at a certain at, at some point. He's getting and saying the same thing, saying, you know, this he's like, I agree with Newt Gingrich. He goes on to say, quote, it's going to be the days of Jim Jordan and Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And, you know, we're going to and you know what? We're going to get answers. And then he just started like talking about a, a bunch of just, you know, boilerplate right wing grievances. Then goes on, quote, real answers about what happened in the election, answers about the Wuhan Institute of Virology and certainly answers about Department of Justice and a national security apparatus that has gone totally off the rails. Okay, mm-hmm. you're currently under investigation, and yeah. I'm sure you'd love nothing more than to have a party take power that can somehow keep you out. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Do you think there'll be any answers about his ongoing uh, investigation on sex trafficking? Is, is there will hey, 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 answers hey, about hey, that, hey. or no? <laughs> hey, okay, look, uh, hopefully that'll go away. <laughs> but yeah, that's. But I mean, like that's when you see the kind of people who are jumping in too. They have a lot to lose, and I probably feel on some level that the walls definitely are closing. And especially, you know, with Gates, we talked, I think, like three weeks, two or three weeks ago, you know, his former girlfriend who was underage at the time went to go speak to give testimony about their relationship. So it's yeah, I don't know. I mean, but the, the, the what's clear is that they are motivated. They're very, very motivated because I, I'm sure even if there was like a, a, a 20 page report. They do everything in their power to be like, we can't have this all lies of legally yeah. gathered documentation. Yeah. And I just it's like what what is happening with the Republican Party in the past year, like since Trump was out of office, is probably as disturbing as what was happening when he was in office. Like where are mm-hmm. all those like Lincoln projects, like people who were supposed you know, like the the middle conservatives who like this thing is completely out of any sort of like there's no gravitational core to like the Republican universe. It's all just like what whatever the fuck anyone wants to say, like where where are those people who are supposed to be like, I'm here for the Republican Party? Are they were they, they got, like, now nah, we're going to go. They got shouted out of the room and they're. Yeah. They have nothing else to do except waste money on these like ad buys that, you know, aren't near, like tipping the scales like they think right. that it is. It's like yeah. it's all their own ego. It's like, bro, you can't do shit. Yeah. Care if you used to be a Republican, this thing has completely evolved. So the the the, the tactics are not are not going to hold up at all. Yeah, it's, it makes me really sad. I mean, I've. I, I currently work in like at ad, like advocacy and politics, and I, I've worked in this space for a really long time. And what, you know, in the beginning of my time in this space, I would talk to conservatives and 
you know, I didn't agree with their policies and things of that. Like, I, I, I thought they were bad, but we were having conversations about policies and I could be like, oh, well, this is a policy that I feel like is not good because X, Y, Z. We're no longer having conversations like that. Like, I spend a lot of my time combating absolute nonsense. The things that you just talked about, like, oh, they're hurting our kids, what's going on with schools, things that are just complete fabrications from extremists on the right. We're no longer having conversations about, you know, policy disagreements and sort of like, you know, substantive disagreements or, or, or things that we disagree about, you know, the, the way the country should be run. We're, yeah, like wages. Exactly. We're just combating complete nonsense because that's the only thing this party can traffic in. That's all they have is like nonsense and, and scams. They don't have anything real to offer anybody even to combat. Right. Because um, who was it? Was it Sununu who was like, nah, I don't think I'm going to run for the Senate because I was basically told if I'm there, all I'm going to do is obstruct anything that happens. Correct. Like, there, there won't be any real work. And he like articulated that even as a Republican. He's like, so I'm going to run for governor because that's what the Senate does now. It's like they just go and say, no. Right. And that doesn't feel like work. And so I was surprised. I'm like, oh, look at you, Mr. <laughs> uh, wannabe upstanding politician. Right. I mean, when have you ever heard of like a Marjorie Taylor Greene or a, like or a Matt Gates governing? You hear about them grandstanding. You hear about them, you know, doing some sort of wild stunt. When was the last time you heard about any kind of like pol like actual substantive policy coming out of their mouth? For me, it's right. never. I've never heard that from any of those guys. No, especially yeah. not a policy that would enrich someone's life. No, that, never. Like everyone's, you know, at most it's like I'm introducing this bill to keep, you know, trans children from playing sports. Like right. that's, that's the that's the platform. It's like we're here to subtract. Yeah, we're here to subtract. We're not here to add anything. And if we are adding something, it's just more vitriol and you know, confusion. Exactly. It's taking like books by authors of color out of libraries. It's not Subtraction. putting money into the bank accounts of American families or like meals on the table. It's not enriching anybody's life. You're exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bridget, such a pleasure having you as always. Yeah. We made it through the episode without anyone busting into your apartment <laughs> and saying, I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> Comes I in don't going, care. Hey, I, hey, are you, you going big on Sitecoin? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Doing a big viral marketing campaign. Where can people find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Yes, you can listen to my podcast. Uh, there are no girls on the internet. It's on this very network, iHeartRadio. Uh, we have all kinds of interesting conversations about women and gender and culture and the internet and tech. Uh, we talk about crypto. So please, please check it out. We'd love to have you there. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC or on Twitter at Bridget Marie. Yeah, yeah. Is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? There is. So this is a tweet from Raven Ninja 89. And it's a picture of the giving tree. But instead of the giving tree, it just says, it's giving. And the tree has <laughs> nails and lashes. <laughs> <laughs> It is giving. Honey. It's giving, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it cracks me up. <laughs> so stupid. It's so stupid, but I I love oh I love I love God. stupid things. God, see, and I'll buy that NFT. Fuck it. Yes, yeah, give, yeah. gotta it's own giving that one. coin. That's my main yeah. problem with NFTs. Their sense of humor sucks. Coin. So like it's giving coin, honey. Yeah, Miles. Where can people find you? What is the tweet you've been enjoying? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Uh, and also the other show, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra. We talk about trash reality shows that also have racists pop up and the audience has to do their own research and go like, uh, did y'all see this? And then the producer's like, we have no comment. And you're like, this is, I don't even know I'm watching this stuff anymore. But check it out because we have a good time. Some tweets that I like. Let's see. First one is from Zach Reinert at Zach, Z-A-C-H-R-E-I-N-E-R-T-0, tweeted, if I owned a pizza place, I'd open for breakfast and just serve cold slices from the night before. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant that, idea. I would love that. Like, And it it's would. like at a discount, you're like, yo, go get a cold slice up the street. They're like, you're like <laughs> three for a buck. Yeah. And then also the second one from Allison Agosti at Allison Agosti tweeted, most of being in a relationship is saying, look at the dog right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god me but for the cat all day yeah. long it's like all we talk about is like oh the cat's doing something you see the cat look what the cat's yeah. doing <laughs> i have that too i have one cat who like she'll hang her head like off of whatever she's like like laying on so it looks like she's like nodding out or something I'm like, look, look at her she's all sleepy and when you have kids same shit still the pets <laughs> yeah still the pets <laughs> hey the dog hey dipshit look at what the dog's doing right now it's like the dog's <laughs> reading <laughs> get with it <laughs> exactly alright you can find me on twitter at jack underscore o'brien some tweets I've been enjoying Madison Breck tweeted truly so funny and Donnie Darko when the science teacher guy is like Donnie I can't answer any more time travel questions I could lose my job <laughs> <laughs> I just love being reminded of like I thought that movie was so smart when I I've was never in high seen school. that movie. Oh my god! Oh, bro, I thought it was so. I was like, "Yo, I, yeah." I was every time I said that, every white person I know said, "You ever seen Donnie Darko?" <laughs> that yeah. or Boondock Saints. I'm like, "Nah, man, I was watching Belly." <laughs> I I thought Boondock Saints was dumb, but I was like, "Donnie Darko." Now there's that shit's dope. Is I only know is there's some rabbit in Do Donnie Darko? There are like some cool moments in Donnie Darko, but like the like kind of it's full of you know, <laughs> high school student big ideas. It straight up does like... not make any sense. Like anybody who is like explain the ending. You can't. It doesn't make any sense. It seemed oh, deep and cool, but shit. like the ending where you're like, what actually happened? Uh, yeah, yeah. Th that coupled with the fact that I just love that idea of that tweet that you just read. I'm like, I gotta watch this shit now. <laughs> Skylar Higley uh, tweeted, I mainly want to be on SNL for the part where everybody hugs at the end. That seems really nice. Uh, and then uh, Andy Field tweeted, tearfully waving out the train window as my girlfriend runs alongside. 45 minutes later, she's still keeping pace. It's inhuman. Everyone on the train is screaming. I'm begging her to stop, but she can't hear me. Her eyes are pure white. Police helicopters <laughs> circle overhead. Uh, <laughs> Wait, she's, her eyes are pure white with what? Her eyes are pure white. Police <laughs> helicopters circle overhead. Ah, <laughs> uh, What a rise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode. Uh, we will be linking off to that explainer video. We'll also link off to a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy? Uh, I just want to play this, uh, just do another remix uh, of, a, of a Marvin Gaye track, Sexual Healing, but just with some some laid back, like South American vibes. You know, I like when people can mash up a track and it kind of, they can pull it off. So this is Sexual Healing, but the Studio Rio version 
by Marvin Gaye in Studio Rio. So, you know, get healed sexually, but as if you're in Rio de Janeiro. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. And hey, we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.